Report, recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. He's mainly known for the rough raps, but kids steal his lyrics like hubcaps and eat them like stacks of flapjacks. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less week. And this week, dudes, is going to get so much less week. We are, we're going to take a look at a couple movies that I saw. We're going to talk about how I've been sick. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. It's not going to be the longest, most exciting show in the world, but it is going to be informative. It is going to be fun. And I guarantee, well, I don't guarantee. I can't promise anything like that. But I think that think that you're going to have some fun. With all that said, let's get moving into the shoe. Hold on while I look for the file. Can't seem to. Oh, here we go. Lemon to a lime, a lime to a lemon. He's the greatest of the great. Get it straight, he's great. Playing fame because his name is known in every day. To see him lay will make you day. God damn, that podcast made my day. All right, kids. All right, dudes. And I guess doodads. Are there any doodads out there? I know not. There must be. There must be at least a few. If you are, if you're a dudette and you happen to listen to the show, hit me up on Twitter at IcyRobots. This is just for, just for survey purposes. I'm not gonna do anything weird. I'm a married guy. I'm just, just curious. I don't know, man. I never, never even once thought about it. I have, I have been just like down in the health department lately, man. I got. I got a cold. 2.0 was sick for a day. She went on a trip with the school band. They went to, they went to Anaheim. Anaheim. Sorry, I lost my, I'm losing my voice. They went to Anaheim on a uh, trip for a jazz festival, a school jazz festival. And while she was there, she came down with a cold. She was super sick for like one day. I'm not even exaggerating. It was like one day. And then she was back to school and she's still, she's fine. She's just good as gold, she's right as rain, and I I picked up her cold, like, a few days later, it was one or two days, and all of a sudden, I started feeling woozy, you know that feeling you get when, when a cold is coming on, like, you can feel it off in the distance, you notice yourself, like, I'm a bit more tired than usual, I'm a bit dopier than usual, and I'm, I'm pretty dopey, so when I feel a bit dopier, it's, something worth noting and then uh, like the day after that I was I was just in bed the whole day and this this was terrible because I was you know I was like mucusy and I was coughing I couldn't I couldn't stay awake you know that that feeling when you're sick and you're you're like halfway delirious not into like any sort of serious delirium you're just like serious delirium feeling as if you're floating in space well that's that's how I felt and it was awful because it was it was the day of a wrestling show that I really wanted to go to I know it seems like I go to wrestling shows all the time but I don't normally it's just recently there's been like a bunch of them around here that are worth going to normally I'm not so much into our local scene but as of late it's been picking up and they they had a special show in store this day and I had been planning on going 
for the longest time, like I was really seriously going to go, I, I wanted to, they, the APW, which is a local group, and this is all not relevant to anything, they were running a big show at the Cow Palace. The Cow Palace is a, it is a hallowed hall around these parts as far as wrestling, and I got the wife to get off early from work in advance, and we were going to go there. It was about an hour away, and it was going to be fun because I haven't been in the Cow Palace in seriously 15 years and it's it's a building i have fond memories of seeing wrestling in there when i was younger but i don't want to i don't want to dwell on wrestling because i know a lot of you guys don't don't like it so much this is just illustrating a story and i wasn't able to go to the cow palace show that night my main man gino vega went and he got a good picture with him and a noted wrestling journalist that i am a big fan of dave Meltzer. this guy's the legend of the business he got a picture with jeff cobb and i'm at home being sick, unable to go, and I'm seeing these pictures, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the dude is chopping it up with Dave Meltzer, and I'm laying in bed watching TV, and not even really, like, paying that much attention to the TV, I'm just laying here like a lump, sweating, sweating and being mucusy, I was so, I was so disappointed, and I, I, I'm still sick, I'm like, right now, as we speak, I still feel like, eh, you know, I'm I'm boogery and I'm tired and I know I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I can't imagine that you would care in the least. It's just I don't know, man. It's like overall it's affecting my life. You know, when when you're young, when you're like two point you're sick, and then the very next day you're just like, Hey, check me out, I'm back. But when you're when you're eight hundred and ninety five years old like I am, you just um these things kind of linger much longer than you would like and it's it's lingering, and my voice is, it's going, so this, this might end up being a shorter show than usual, so I hope that, I hope that you can forgive that, I, you know, I'm giving you guys some longer shows than usual, so in the end, it's all gonna, it's all gonna balance out, but man, it's lately, the, the sickness, the cold, is what is, what's controlling, like, every single facet of my life is controlled by the cold, do I want to go do something, I don't know, man, I don't feel good, I can't do it, do I want to, do I want to go work on some shows? I can't. I don't want to do it. Do I want to do anything? It's like, it's like I'm a member of the Wu Tang off their first record. You know, kicking that song. Cold rules everything around me. Cream. In a moment at the movies without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper, but you got icy robots, so that's something, right? I wish to find a lost city. Ain't nobody comes back from up there. The environment's brutally difficult. The journey may well mean your life. You and I have made a journey that other men cannot even imagine. The Lost City of Zed. The Lost City of Zed, or the Lost City of Z, depending, depending on what continent you're on, is the first in our... Our double bill of Charlie Hunnam. We uh, started off with this one on Monday. We went in the morning, which is nice. I'm, you know, still racked by my cold at this point. But the old wife's like, look, you're just laying here watching TV. Why not just, you know, sit in the movie theater? We'll go early when there's nobody else there. You won't infect anyone, at least, at least in theory. So we hit this one up. It was like 1030 in the morning. And we were, in fact, the only people in, in the theater. I, I liked Charlie Hunnam. I think that I think he's a good actor. I don't I don't know if he is like destined 
to be a giant A-list star, but I was a fan of his work on Sons of Anarchy, and I, I've, you know, followed him into the, into the world of movies. This is a, this is a story of exploration. It is the biographical tale of this explorer dude who goes by the name of, I want to make sure I get this right, Percy Fawcett. He, he was a British dude back in the, you know, early turn of the century, and he went out into the Amazon and, you know, made his way there as an explorer sort. A, a real, like, pit, pith, pith helmet? Pith helmet wearing type, the British, you know, dude in, like, the, the, you know, khaki colored clothes with the pith helmet out in the, out in the jungle with his handlebar mustache exploring things, you know, having a few, like, a few native guides and just roughing it through the jungle. I, I dig the idea of exploration, obviously. I mean, I'm not against it in, by any means, but I, at, at the beginning, he is, you know, he's a British guy and he's in the army and they come to him and they're like, look, you've done a bit of exploring in the past and we really, we really need somebody to explore the Amazon and we think that you are well suited for this with your military background and just, you know, your general everything. And what they're sending him out there to do is to, like, chart the course of this river, like, like which direction this river is going through the jungle. And when they go on the mission, it's just sort of expected that not everybody is going to make it back alive. And look, I can definitely appreciate that it's important to, you know, know where different geographical landmarks are and stuff. But if you came to me and you said, well, there's a pretty fair chance that you're going to die miserably out in the jungle, that you are not going to come back from this mission. But it's really important for us to see how far this river stretches. And it, you know, it was a fairly large river. It wasn't anything fantastic. Parts of it were more like a creek. But if they told me that we need to go do this and... I would not, I would not go. I don't know if I would consider that to be worth my life. I don't know, man. Thank, thank the heavens that there are dudes like Percy Fawcett who did, did think that it was worth, worth the time. The, the main conflict of the story is that he, while on one of his missions, he finds some pottery and he finds different artifacts and he hears some legends of a highly advanced civilization that died off many years ago and that there may be ruins of a city and he he becomes obsessed with finding this city and he runs into all sorts of all sorts of barriers from the British government who just don't want him down there looking for it they think it's a pipe dream they think that it's crazy they just don't want to do it so he has to find his own means to go into the jungle to find the find the lost city let's see what Let's see what Tomatoes gives this movie, this uh, adventure flick, The Lost City of Zed. It runs for 140 minutes. It's it's a long one. This is a pretty, pretty uh, thorough movie. It drew $6 million at the box office. It was directed by James Gray, who also wrote it. It stars Charlie Hunnam, Tom Holland, who is now Spider-Man, and Rob Pattison from Twilight. The movie is presently at... 63% with the peeps and 88% with the critics. I liked it. I thought it was good. It was long and it was slow, but I thought that it was well made, 
well acted, well put together. Now, could I recommend it to anybody? I don't know. I don't know if I could. If you like this sort of thing, check it out. It's probably, it's probably already out of the theater where you are. It's only down, it opened, and then the next week it was down to two showings. I, I just couldn't recommend it to anybody because it's just, it's so slow and it's so involved. I liked it. I like the jungle scenery. I like jungle pictures. There are some interesting battles with some of the natives. I I thought Rob Pattison put in a very good performance. I've seen all three of the Twilight movies. I'll admit it. The old wife was into them. The first one was okay. The second one was, I don't know. The third one was god-awful, but both Rob Pattison and Kristen Stewart, who starred in that, are, they're both the real deal. Kristen Stewart's gonna... She's going to mess around and win an Oscar for sure someday, guaranteed. And I wouldn't be surprised if Rob Pattison did the same thing. The dude is a fine actor and he's growing and he's growing into a man. And this, he has a beard and he's less recognizable as the charming vampire from the Twilight series. I think that in a few years, I think he might start to hit it big. He just kind of has to grow past the... The appearance of being the, uh, Jacob? Was that his name? He was the vampire one? The, the sparkly vampire? Jeez. I'm thinking back. That third movie in the Twilight series was honestly one of the worst movies I have ever seen in my life. The first one's not bad, though. The middle one? I don't know, dude, but the first one's not bad. If it was just that one movie, I mean, come on. It has Kristen Stewart in it, and like it or not, she is a really good actress with a really good screen presence. What would I, what would I give this movie? I wonder. I was reading a bit about, about uh, Mr. Fawcett and he, when he was in the jungle, he came back and he kind of embellished his adventures a bit. He said that he fought like a 600 foot anaconda and that there were giant like spider monsters in the jungle that they fought with and that they encountered like a half dog half cat creature so when he was saying he was looking for the lost city of z i think that maybe some of these embellishments might have had something to do with people not taking him at his word but that's you know that's neither here nor there what would i give this movie i am i am going to give it i think on the source meter the good old source magazine mic meter i'm gonna go and give it 3.75 mics. It's not a four micer because it's too long and I don't think it has the appeal to a, a wide audience, but it is a very well put together, well acted movie. 3.75 mics. You are listening to IC Robots Radio. We're going to take the castle. And we're going in the front door. Just this little rabble. This way! Come on, let's chop chop. Hunt him down. What a waste of brandy. But doesn't it make the palace burn well? King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, rated PG-13. All right, my friends, we are back for the second part of the Double Hunnam. It's Double Hunnam week. We got two, two Charlie Hunnam movies, and this is... This is the second and also the much bigger, more more pushed one of the two. This movie is King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword. It stars Charlie Hunnam as King Arthur, and it has Digimon Hanju, Eric Bana, all kinds of guys. I think that 
I think that the main draw to the movie besides the besides the Hunnam is that it was written and directed by Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, you might know from a Snatch, you know, Lockstock. He is the British director who does those real street-level crime-type movies. He also did Sherlock Holmes with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Numi Rapace. He did those movies. I think the first one had uh, What's-Her-Face from Mean Girls, uh, Regina George, Rachel McAdams. I think that that's who it was. Those... Those movies, as well as, you know, the early indie kind of movies from back in the day. I'm I'm a big Guy Ritchie fan. I like his lightning dialogue. I like the rapid, you know, changing style that he shoots in. I'm, I'm a Guy Ritchie dude. What can I say? I don't think everything he does is perfect, but I do think that I have enjoyed a lot of his... A lot of his movies over the years. I'm looking back at some records. And Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels came out in 1999. That's nuts. That doesn't seem like that was 18, 18 years ago. And then Snatch came out in 2001. That was that was a long time, man. That's a long time I've been up on, a, on Guy Ritchie's jock, I guess, is what, what it amounts to. This movie, I enjoyed it. I thought that it was a... It was a very strange but entertaining movie. It's it's exactly what you would think it would be like. It is a Guy Ritchie directed movie about King Arthur. King Arthur by Charlie Hunnam goes like with that rapid fire dialogue and that London street slang. It's like he took Charlie Hunnam and he told him, look, go check out Lockstock. See what Jason Statham is doing in that movie and take it to this movie and do it the same thing, but do it with a sword and do it in like a tunic as if this is ye old Mary uh, Lundinian. It was, it was crazy. The movie starts off with a terrific, a fantastic battle where Modred, the evil magician, is riding these like 10,000 feet tall elephants and he's shooting fireballs and he has all sorts of soldiers and they're attacking Camelot and Arthur's Arthur's father Uther who is played by Eric Bana is defending the castle and this is a majestic battle it was great I loved it but then it goes right from there to a abandoned King Arthur who's now just you know he's already on the streets of Londinian Londinium and He's running like a crime empire, just like Jason Statham was doing. And he's spitting that dialogue at people about all sorts of street-level stuff. And it's very weird. It's weird to see it. You're watching it going, I don't think that they talk like this at that time. <laughs> but I'm I'm enjoying it. I thought it was really entertaining. This is, this is the only King Arthur movie that you are ever going to see in your life that has a character known as Kung Fu George. King Arthur already on the block. He trains Kung Fu with a, you know, Chinese Kung Fu master who's in Londinium. He has a dojo with all sorts of other guys and he he masters the art of Kung Fu to turn himself into a lethal street enforcer. You know, he's he's really running things and over the years his uncle, who is played by Jude Law, has he's taken over Camelot and Arthur Arthur doesn't even know that he is the heir to the throne. And one day Excalibur exposes itself and you could see where it goes from there. The rightful heir is revealed and he's fighting to overthrow the, 
the evil Jude Law. Jude Law is great in this. This this version of Jude Law that we've been seeing these past few years is really great. You know, he started off as like Dreamboat Heartthrob, Jude Law, and he was good in that role. And he's aged and, you know, he's balded and he's just, you know, he's had the wear and tears of time like we all have. And now he's developed into a whole different character. I saw him recently in an HBO miniseries called The Young Pope, which I didn't think was all that great, but he was really great in it as a young, very serious Pope, you know, the the head of the Catholic Church. It was a great performance, just this world-weary Pope who hasn't even hasn't even really, you know, taken the the crown yet. And this, he he's the world-weary king of of England and he he wears this well and I think that like a Charlie Hunnam, he might benefit from something like this too because you know, he plays he plays the Hollywood dream date heartthrob now and he's good at that too, you know, he he has those assets, but he's also he's a good competent actor and I think that maybe when you know, he's put on some years and his his face becomes a bit more weary. I think that we might see some interesting things out of him, just like we are out of uh, Jude Law. But this one, this one was all right. Let's see what, let's see what they're saying over on Good Old Tomatoes. Let me tap over there and excuse it if you can hear the... You've got mail. You can hear the mouse. The movie, uh, it's a bit long. It was just over two hours. It made... 15 million opening weekend at the box office. It absolutely bombed. I've read that the movie's on its way to lose $150 million. I think that what happened is Guardians opened last week and Guardians did great. And there's a lot of a lot of overflow from Guardians. I think that people who didn't necessarily see it the first week because the crowds, they maybe wanted to see what the word of mouth is. They're waiting to this week to see it. And it killed King Arthur. But I... Don't think that you should stay away. This was a fun film. It stars Hunnam, Digimon Hansu, Eric Vanya, Banna. Why did I say it with a weird accent? And then Littlefinger from uh, Game of Thrones is in it. Mayor Carcetti from The Wire, he's in it. The movie is right now sitting at 26% with the critics and 79% with the peeps. I think that... I think that it's that kind of movie. I think that if you're a critic and you kind of look at it critically, you might get a bit down on it. But if you just want to go and see a movie and have a nice time, I think that this will definitely fulfill that. It has it has a lot going for it. We went to see this one early in the morning as as we've been you know doing lately. And the theater had a really weird vibe. There was this guy sitting in the front row with a shaved head and a tank top with his guns out. And he was wearing, like, army pants with his boots. You know, with his pants tucked into his boots. When I see dudes with the pants tucked into the boots, I think they might be on the tactical tip. And I kind of I kind of keep an eye. And this guy was there. And he kept he kept going in and out of the theater, like, all the time. I, he must have left the theater five or six times. Uh, and he was giving me the weirdest vibe. Isn't it weird when you're somewhere and somebody's given off, like, a dangerous vibe? For, what, like, whatever reason, you don't leave. You know, you don't do anything. It's not like I scooched down to be quicker, you know, to the exit. I stayed where I was. I was on the back row. If he would have started throwing smoke bombs and ninja stars, I would have definitely got it. I was too far away to escape. But you you stay in the same place. You know, you don't do anything about it. I wonder if it's just because you're too, too embarrassed to act. I think that ultimately it's because 
even though you got the vibes, even though you've got the heebie-jeebies, it's still not something that you take serious. I think if you had the serious heebie-jeebies, then you might make the move. And we all know there is a difference between just, you know, the everyday, let me keep an eye on this guy just in case he starts trying to throw like a roundhouse kick, as compared to like somebody you see and you go, that guy's a raving lunatic. I'm crossing the street. This guy just gave me the, hmm, I don't know. Maybe if I'm making too much noise, he might come up and try to throw like a a pump kick to my chest. That kind of thing. He looks like he might train over at over at Tiger Kick Karate. That's that's one of the sponsors we have before the movie starts. It's the Tiger Kick Studios. It's like a kids martial arts place where everybody wears black geese and you get like tiger striped belts. It looks like fun. Emily here with a post show editing note. Here is the Tiger Kick commercial. I think it helps to put things into perspective. Engineer Emily Art. Get ready, Sonoma County, for the best family fitness program you have ever experienced. Motivating and challenging adults, children, and families. Scott Butler's Tiger Kick programs are expanding all over Sonoma County and beyond as we introduce our upgraded Tiger Kick programs, as well as our innovative and national infomercial-ready fitness product, the TK Tool. My upper body is just filled out tremendously. I'm even impressed by it. <laughs> Anything to get, get you going. But this guy, you know, he probably trained back at Tiger Kick back in the day. And he he's missing the adrenaline that comes with a good kung fu fight. And if I'm making too much noise with my popcorn or, you know, pulling my straw up and down, maybe, you know, maybe I'm going to get a judo chop in the neck. You never know. So... Let's see. I am going to give this movie on the good old Source Magazine mic meter with five being an all-time classic and one being, a, you know, a stinker. I'm going to give it 3.5 mics. It's slamming, definite satisfaction, and even, you know, half a notch above that. 3.5 mics. of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Shall we play a game? Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. Game over, man. It's game over. Geekfest Rants is an entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. So say we all. So say we all. Join us by listening in at iTunes, YouTube, and at geekfestrants.com. made it this far it's time the final segment your weekly toy shop update the toys r us report all right party people in the blaze to be we are back for the for the final segment of the show and i want to apologize for not having a feature usually we'll have you know something in the middle there that kind of you know ties the show together as it is but this week i can't i can't go that long without coughing so we're just going to it's going to be like a bare bones kind of thing and we're going to head into the final segment of the show known as the Toys R Us report this is the part where I talk about various stuff and things sometimes toys sometimes what I've seen down at the toy shop but I haven't haven't been down to the toy shop in a bit the last time I was there the only thing I saw that I thought was like Super dope was those oversized uh, Star Wars figures, like Gen 1 Star Wars figures I saw. I saw Lando, not Lando, I saw Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I saw 
Princess Leia, and I saw something else, and then 2.0 was on a trip. They went to Disneyland, and she saw R2-D2. I don't know if that was, like, only there, but I haven't seen that one at the at the good old TRU. I like them. They're cool. I like how they uh, have the same look of the original cards. I like the size of them. Are they, like, six or seven inches, something like that? They're neat. I dig them. I don't know if I'll buy any. My gut says no. They are 20 bucks, and that's that's a pretty reasonable price, but I don't... I don't spend, like, more than 20 bucks on toys all that often, to be honest with you. I I mostly collect, like, flea market toys. You know, I'm out on the hunt looking for older things, Remco things, Mighty Crusaders, Sergeant Rocks, uh, WWE thumb wrestlers. I got a couple thumb wrestlers the other day at the flea market. I got uh, Hulk Hogan, and I got the JYD. These are the ones that, you know, you'd slide over your thumbs, and then when you would, uh, you know, be able to match up, like, a thumb wrestling match with one of your buds, he could be JYD, you could be Hulk Hogan, you could have a babyface versus a babyface match. I also got some bendies. I got George the Animal Steel, who recently passed away. I got uh, Nikolai Volkov, King Kong Bundy, and Hillbilly Jim. I got these all from one lady for $2, which I thought was... I thought that was great. They're all a bit beat up, but Bindi's, whenever I see them, they're all a bit beat up. I think it's because kids just kind of smash them together when you play with them. I, I myself definitely, definitely did. Let's see what else is popping off. Did you, did you know that they are making a movie that is going to return to the big Lebowski-verse? I recently found this out myself. I played this game called the Hollywood Stock Exchange, and in it you buy... You buy stocks in movies and in actors, and, you know, they go up and down depending on a bunch of things. I like it. I check in every couple days. I'm not, like, super obsessed with it, but I do enjoy playing it. And one of the things I think that is fun is, like, poking around and trying to find, like, low-cost movie stocks that maybe you can get in on the ground floor. And I was doing that, and I saw a movie called Going Places. It was like 76 cents. So I decided to see what this movie was. And I get in there and I look at it. And the first thing I see is a picture of John Turturro dressed as uh, Jesus Quintana from Big Lebowski. He's standing there. And the movie is apparently a spinoff of Jesus Quintana written and directed by John Turturro. The Coens gave him the permission to make this movie on his own and this isn't this isn't a movie that's in the planning stages which you know is not all that uncommon to see like some really odd dream project of sorts that's still like in you know the idea stage this movie has been shot it's done and it's coming out this year it's a real thing it is it is known as going places and i went and i looked online to see what i could find out about it and i'm going to Good thing I'm still connected to the AOL. It drops off a lot up here on uh, the moon base. All the time. You can't you can't stay connected for a while. And it's like if you're downloading a file and you drop the, the dial-up connection, it's just that's that. That's a wrap and it's a bummer. It happens all the time. So the movie is a remake of a 1974 film. And I am going to... I'm going to bring up the Wikipedia entry and I'm just going to... Just going to read a bit about it. Uh, Going Places is a 1974 French erotic comedy drama written by Bertard Blier. 
It is based on the novel, and in translating into English, it is a vulgar French slang term for the testicles. It starred Gerard Depardieu in original release, and it is widely considered one of the most controversial movies in French cinema history due to its vulgarity, depictions of sexual acts, nudity, and moral ambiguity. So, that is the movie that they are going to be remaking with John Turturro, as well as Bobby Cannavale, who you might know, he was on vinyl. He was in Ant-Man. He is the stepdad to Ant-Man's biological daughter. He's that guy. He's in it. And as well as Susan Sarandon. The movie is done. It's finished. It will be coming out, I believe, in November. And I'm blown away. I never imagined that we would return to the Lebowski-verse. I thought... If you think about it, it is possible that they could have visited it in some way because they're doing Fargo on TV right now. And that's another great Coen Brothers property. And they're doing that, spinning off the tale in different directions with all new characters. It's possible they could have in some way done some kind of Lebowski thing that was similar. But I didn't expect to see a see a solo movie about uh, Jesus Quintana. It's... It's insane. I love Big Lebowski. That is definitely a five-mic movie. It becomes a five-mic movie over time. And I find that a lot of movies are like this. I don't really think that when you go see a movie for the first time, for the most part, that you walk out and you go, that was a five-star classic. I don't know if I've ever done that in my life. I think that a five-mic movie reveals itself over time. You know, you find yourself thinking about it and you find yourself quoting it and maybe watching it again again and then after a while you go this is this is the five mic movie and as you know we got the five mic platform from the famous hip-hop magazine known as the source they would rate you know records from one to five and they would give them mics instead of stars and at one point they went back and they retroactively gave something like 27 records, five mics that hadn't gotten the five mics previously, like Run DMC's first one, I think, like uh, License to Ill. Records like that, they they realized these have stood the test of time and we're going to go ahead and award them five mics. And I think that, I think that is how something get five gets five mics. Lebowski, you see it. For the first time, like, let's say you go and you see it in the theater. I saw it at UA6 back in the day where me and Gino Vega used to work. I saw it there and I left and I knew it was great. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. And you're like, four mics. That was terrific, right? Because giving something four mics is really like putting yourself out there when it comes to reviewing. You're saying this is, this is, you know, just one notch below an all-time great. And then... The movie hits DVD or hits VHS and you watch it again, you see it again and again. And before you know it, you have a Lebowski poster hanging on your wall and you're like, this movie's five mics. I, I just feel that way. I feel that like it just, it takes a test of time to see what earns that five mic status. So I guess we're going to get that Jesus movie and it ain't about the, the more popular of the two Jesuses. It's about the one from... Big Lebowski, the movie was originally going to be named 100 Minutes with Jesus. I just I just learned that, and I'm excited. I, for one, am stoked. I bought, I bought 100,000 shares of it when it came out. Oh, this is something I've been meaning to to mention. I, I have been working on the Christmas box. If you guys don't know what that is, 
this upcoming Christmas, I want to do a deal where we all try to donate something to Toys for Tots or whatever the equivalent you have in your in your neck of the woods. I want everybody to go out there, give them something. And when you do, I want you to hit me up with a tweet because we're going to have a contest. Everybody who gives something to Toys for Tots this upcoming year will be entered in a raffle to enter the enter and win the big Christmas box. I'm looking at it right now. What it is is a large USPS priority mailbox full of weird stuff from down on the earth base. When I go to the dig or go to the flea market or I'm just, you know, out and about doing, you know, my my uh, secondhand shopping, I, I'll take stuff and just like throw it in my bag. And at the end of a, like a week or a trip, I wind up with all this weird stuff at the bottom of my bag. And uh, I've been dumping it directly into the box. It is, it's almost full and it's terrific. It's not full of, you know, like uh, blue snaggletooths and yak faces and stuff like that. It's all just weird odds and ends, but it will definitely keep you amused for at least at least an hour and probably more because there's some videotapes and there's some there's a DVD, there's some stuff to watch, there's stuff to play with. It's cool. I myself would like to have it if it was a prize. I think it's good and I think that I think that you're going to want to get down with that. I just wanted to bring it up now. So as we get, you know, closer and closer to December, you guys will be aware that this box is now out there and this box is slamming and you're going to want to get, you're going to want to get your hands on it. I really, I really think you do. It's a lot of fun. And all you got to do is just give some poor kid a present because everybody deserves something around, around Christmas time. We're getting ready to start a bunch of shows, which is cool. Game of Thrones is about to get going. Preacher... I'm super excited about Preacher starting up again. I thought the season one was terrific. I like I like the dude who's the star. I like uh, Ruth Nega. I like the I like the guy that got his Cassidy. He, he is the living embodiment of Kennedy, the Cassidy, the Irish vampire dude. Looks like him. Dude acts like him. He's great. The show is really terrific, and it seems like they're going to be going into the actual story of Preacher. Like, they're on the road now. The first season seemed as if it was kind of a setup for things. And now they're they're on the road. Preacher's kind of a road tale for the most part. And I think they're going to... think this season's going to be great. And then, you know, I said Game of Thrones. And then The Strain is about to start up on FX. I like The Strain. It's one of my favoriteest shows. It's a... It's kind of a zombie vampire kind of thing. There are these these creatures known as strugoys who are sort of like vampires and they're sort of like zombies and they're sort of like Nazis. They're the worst and they're loose in New York and they have they've taken over the whole city for the most part and they're going to start spreading out into the rest of the world and there's like a small underground of comrades who are fighting them in their own way. They're trying to give them a virus or they're, you know, hand to hand fighting them on the street with silver swords or they're attacking the mystical elements of the Strugoi. It's a really, really neat show. If you haven't started watching it in on it, you're going to definitely have to go through the early seasons. But in doing so, you're going to you're going to be rewarded because it's a lot of fun. It's really, really a good show. This will be the final season. I believe it's the fourth, fourth and final season of The Strain. But I think it's going to be deaf. And another show is coming back. I have a bunch of notes. I wrote down some notes on a comic book bag. At the Comics for the Win, they gave out these nice paper bags, and I took some notes on here. I I went to pick up my comics the other day, and I really like 
trimmed my comic list down. I have a pull list over at Comics for the Wind with my man Chris. And I've really trimmed it down. I get Archie, Jughead, and I also get Reggie. The Reggie comic is really good. If you're not reading that, Reggie, he's the heel in Riverdale. He's a bit of a jerk. And this this shows things from his side. He's still a jerk, but you're reading it from the perspective of the jerk. I enjoy it quite a bit. I get Jessica Jones by Bendis. This is exactly like the early alias tales from where Jessica Jones first came from. And I, I dig that a lot. I'm also reading the secret empire, the big crossover event where Captain America is a Hydra agent and he's conquered the world. I got to say that it's controversial and I'm not super down with having Captain America turn heel, but the story itself, I kind of dig it. I don't think that the art is super terrific in the big crossover event. I don't think it, like, holds up. When when you're doing, like, this big event, it has to have, like, a big event feel. And the art doesn't have that big event feel. It's fine. It's good. It's not as if you can't tell who's who and what's going on. But it doesn't have that big event feel. And the story itself is... It's interesting. There's been some shenanigans with the Cosmic Cube and Hydra has taken over the world. Captain America's been a secret Hydra agent. And there's, like... An underground crew led by Tony Stark's, well, an AI of Tony Stark. Stark's is gone and there's like a bunch of dudes in an underground and they're going to try to fight back against Hydra and Captain America's made his all new team of Avengers. He has Deadpool and Taskmaster. That's a shout out to my man Gino Vega who, dude's Mark for Taskmaster. You can see that Taskmaster's made up to the big time. He's an Avenger. There's some other dudes in it. It's pretty neat. I'm enjoying it. Only the first issues come out. I think actually the second issue came out this week, but I haven't I haven't read that. Then I also I read Walking Dead. I've been reading that for a long time and I I still dig that. And I just added the Defenders. Bendis is gonna write the Defenders. It's the the team from Netflix, you know, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and also Daredevil's in it too. So that that should be fun. Bendis writes all those characters really well, so I'm looking forward to getting that, and what what was I talking about right before that? Oh, a TV show. It's a show known as Kingdom. It's on the Audience Network. I think that's part of, like, your direct TV, but I'm not sure. It's about an MMA gym in Southern California. It's cool. I, myself, I like MMA fighting, so it has that going for it, but there's some good drama and a bunch of weird things happen. It's a good show. You might want to check that out if you if you get the Audience Network. I don't... I don't know if that's widely available, but I think they're going to do like a marathon before the season starts. I I had a weird eBay trifecta the other day that I thought was cool. I sell I sell junk at eBay. I, I have a good time with that. I get more money for the flea market and such. And I had a interesting trifecta. I sold a video cassette. It was a skate tape. You sell a lot of skate tapes. People like skate tapes, and I'm happy to happy to retrieve them from you know the potential dump. And get them to somebody who might like them. And then I sold a, I sold a DVD. It was the, it was the DVD that has the original cut of Star Wars. They released it on one set with a, it's kind of an extra, it's a feature. And I, I sold that to somebody. And then later in the day, I sold a, a beta, a beta copy of Dumbo. So I did the trifecta of beta, VHS, DVD, all in the same way. I don't, I don't sell any of my laser discs. I hoard those for myself, but it would have been cool to turn the trifecta into a quadfecta. 
and also sell a laser disc. I sell a lot of I do sell a lot of videotapes. People people are getting nostalgic for that, and that's cool. I'm happy to happy to pull them out of the dig. You you hardly turn a profit on them. It's like a couple bucks to ship them, and weight wise, they cost like a buck. So you're only making a couple dollars on them. It's cool. It's cool to get them to people people who like them, and it gives you gives a reason to like take a picture of a videotape and to scavenge for them in the first place. So I hope you guys. I hope you guys have checked out the latest episode of uh, the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. That came out a couple weeks back. I I dug that the most. And then we also had an episode of Geekfest Rants came out that was really good. Carlos was in there talking about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And then he talked about a Star Wars phone that I thought was fascinating. The whole, the whole segment, it's a Darth Vader phone. He talked about that so... If, you know, if you're into that, if you're into toys, you're into Star Wars, definitely check out Geekfest Rants. You can find it right here on the IC Robots Radio Network. Oh, I got a question for you guys. This is just something that I'm wondering about. It has nothing to do with anything. Do you listen earphones or do you listen speakers? When I listen to pods, I usually listen to speakers. I got them, you know, playing here up on the moon base and it's just me and Iceberg, so I just, you know, I got, I got pods playing. I play a bunch of pods I listen to, you know, Action Figure Blues. I like the Purple Stuff podcast. I, oh, the Atari 2600. I like, uh, Please Stand By. I like all the Zerbs show. I like, I like everything. Zerb and Ferg are great. I don't know, man. I listen to, listen to a lot of things. I listen to You Don't Know Flack. I really miss, miss Vic Sage making shows. That's one thing that... A bit bummed about dude had to dude had to move on, man. We're all gonna have to move on at some point, but that doesn't mean you can't miss him. What did what did Gino Vega post the other day? He was making a comment about a Japanese wrestler signing with the WWF. He said, Don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. I thought that was great. That made me made me think of many things. It sort of sort of fell in with the Last episode I did of, uh, what is the name of that stupid show? This Boring Life, the one that was Lost Places. I was crying because the places were gone, but I should have smiled because they happened in the first place. Oh yeah, I am drifting all over the place. I I took some Dayquil earlier and it always makes me feel weird. I know it's not supposed to, but it does in fact make me feel weird. Do you listen on speakers or earphones? Hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm just curious which one you guys listen to. I... I think the probably earphones are the better experience for this show, but it, I think that, you know, it does just as well in speakers. I hope so. I'm just curious. So hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter. That's at IC Robots, I-S-E-E Robots. I'm also, I'm also on Instagram at IC Robots or Facebook, facebook.com backslash IC Robots. You can find me and all of the other fun shows here on the IC Robots Radio Network over there. So... I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off. I feel I feel as if I'm drifting, drifting into space. So uh, this is episode number one one seven. We're gonna be back next week with one one eight. It's gonna be fun. I am going to do a summer movie preview. I'm gonna talk about the big movies and then some of the smaller movies. I printed out a list, and man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun summer for movies, you know. And then we're gonna also have the review of Alien. So you know that'll be episode one one eight. Signing off. This is me, Icy Robots, for Engineer Emily. She popped in. Iceberg's around here somewhere. So if you don't know, now you know.
recorded live on Jupiter's moon Callisto. This has been an IC Robots Radio production.